You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org. What is smart? Smart is system savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. Hi, my name is Sue Liebeck, and I'm the director of Innovating Smart. I'm also a partner at Starnet, a management consulting firm which specializes in the structuring of innovation alliances. Today, we're speaking with Mariana Grossman, who is the executive director of Sustainable Silicon Valley. Mariana, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Um, As the executive director of Sustainable Silicon Valley, I've been looking forward to speaking with you for some time. I've loved uh, listening to you talk about um, sustainability and explain it so so well and I'm really glad that you're going to get to say a few words on your perspectives about it for our audiences today so thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, as a first question if you could just tell us kind of in a sentence or two what is the innovative thing that Sustainable Silicon Valley is in your own words? I think there are several things about Sustainable Silicon Valley that are quite innovative. One is that our partners are institutions, businesses, government, um, agencies from all different levels, regional, county, and um, and local, and state, federal, and uh, universities, and other nonprofit organizations and financial institutions. So we have a a big array of partners, and they interact on an equal basis with each other and and bring insights across sectors and also are able to look at, at infrastructure and kind of systemic issues as well as individual. Um, institutional issues. So that's part of what makes us innovative. We're also, we were designed to be basically an information or data-based approach to improving the sustainability of our environment and our economy and our community. So I think those are the the main factors. Do you know of other regions that have organized themselves this way around sustainability? There are a couple of other regions that have formed um, sustainable um, organizations that were modeled on ours, one in Australia and a couple in Canada. And, and then there are, other, there are other initiatives in other places. Typically, they are focused around, aimed at the business community or the governmental community and not the integration both of, of both. Perfect. Um, say a little bit about why this is compelling to you personally, this work. Well, I've always um, cared about the about nature and the planet, and also about the well-being of people. And in college, I studied with people who wrote a very important book called *The Limits to Growth*. And they made a model of the world and said, if there's a, a computer model, they said if there's exponential growth in finite resources, population, waste, and other factors like that in a finite planet, um, you'll achieve something called overshoot and collapse, where you start to have a collapse of the food systems and the environment, the atmosphere and other other um, systems on which life depends. And their point was that we didn't have to go on that trajectory, we could make different policy choices, but that there would have to be governmental or some other kind of intervention to change people's behavior. And their, their work was pretty controversial at the time, it came out in the 70s, and I was able to study with them in college and, got, and learned a lot about policy and that sort of thing. Mm. And so I've always wanted to try to figure out how to build an economy that works in harmony with the life support system of the planet instead of in in opposition 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the kind of core principles, as I understand it, about how sustainability plays out concretely is this regenerative idea of a closed-loop system. Mm-hmm. Um, could you say a little bit about closed-loop systems and say a little bit about what kinds of closed-loop systems are developing here in this region, and maybe what uh, closed-loop systems you can imagine developing in this region in the future? Okay. So um, recently, I've been seeing there are two kinds of capitalism. There's one called exploitation capitalism, where your goal is to externalize all your costs. So you take as much you know, cheap labor, as close to slave labor as you can get, as few environmental regulations as you can get, and as low price for natural resources as you can get, and you maximize your profits for the, the owners of the capital. In a regenerative capitalism system, you might be willing to take a little bit less uh, profit, but you're trying to take care of the natural systems and the human systems on which your wealth is based. So you pay a fair wage and make sure that people have health care and, and that the schools are functioning well and there's infrastructure and, and the other kinds of things that make a great civilization, art and, and other things like that. You make sure that you're using sustainable practices in agriculture so you're not destroying the soil or the water systems or poisoning the food chain. So that, that you can see the difference between an exploitative capitalist system and a regenerative one where the regenerative one is more like being a good gardener where you're taking care of that um, the every element of the garden so that it can keep getting better and better every year. So the opportunities that we're looking at um, in S- Silicon Valley are, are, are several. One is the water systems and starting to use more and more recycled water instead of always trying to find fresh water and importing fresh water, which we do from the Sierras and the uh, federal and state um, water projects in from Hetch Hetchy. So um, taking wastewater from the wastewater treatment plant or sewage, um, as, as it would be called without any euphemisms, and, um, and treating that so that it can be reused at least for in industrial and irrigation purposes. So that's been one of the projects that we've been trying to facilitate. And data, um, like, uh, data center purposes as well, is that right? Right, so you can use that, the industrial purposes for this water would include things like cooling towers for data centers. and air, um, to, So wherever you are trying to exhaust waste heat, water is a pretty efficient way of, mm. of, of transferring the heat out of, uh, away from the equipment that you're operating. So using recycled water is much more environmentally friendly than using potable fresh water for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and finding other purposes as well that are industrial, but the cooling towers, about 40% of the water use that's not for irrigation. Ah. So in an industrial setting. So it's a pretty important I think probably here in uh, Silicon Valley, we don't think of ourselves as big water users um, in, from an industrial perspective, but in fact, in fact, we are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think that when you are sending an email that there's a water footprint of that email as well as an energy right. footprint of that email. Right. So the other thing we've been working on is something called smart microgrid. And a smart grid is when you have a, a network where, that is delivering electricity to your buildings and other purposes. And um, the smart part is putting in meters and other, other systems that allow you to control demand uh, on the system, to reduce demand uh, during peak times, like hot, hot afternoon times, to turn systems on and off, to figure out how to optimize energy efficiency in all your systems. Mm-hmm. The, then there's a smart side on the generation of energy, so trying to have distributed renewable energy everywhere. So that means solar, wind, geothermal, um, 
using the waste heat from the cooling tower as a part of a, a thermal cooling and heating system instead of just exhausting it to the mm -hmm. atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So there are uh, a lot of different ways of elements that a smart microgrid comes into play. And a microgrid would be at a campus level or office park level where you're really trying to manage the energy supply and demand as locally as you can, mm -hmm. using the grid for an overflow or for backup energy, but, but really relying mostly on your own local energy sources. Mm -hmm. And that means really effective efficiency and, and also conservation, which means you know, turning off the lights when you're not using them. Mm -hmm. And having some automatic equipment to help you do that sometimes increases the efficiency. So that's another area. And then the third area is up in, in the area of materials, of trying to have a cradle-to-cradle -cradle, um, system where when, when that waste output of one entity can be an input for the other. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine a company like a store creating a lot of cardboard waste and there are other companies that take cardboard and, re and remake it into other paper products. So if you could have the cardboard waste going directly to the, from one shipping dock to the next and not getting shipped to China mm -hmm. and back, that could be a really interesting way of starting to metabolize the waste and material product yeah. through the system and trying to have more regional exchange of materials. So mm -hmm. with recycled water, we're, we're trying to use the indigenous water over and over again in the system instead of always importing new water. With the energy, we're trying to use renewable energy, but as efficiently as possible, because there's less renewable energy than what you know could come from a, a natural gas uh, plant right. or something like that. Right. And then with materials, it's a little bit more complicated to find the people who have a waste product and someone who needs it. And everybody's always trying to make their process more efficient. So you don't really want people to become too dependent on your waste for their inputs because you're hoping to reduce your waste. But maybe you go from cardboard boxes to wooden pallets that are, you know, packed more efficiently, mm -hmm. and then the cardboard company would be kind of wondering where their their next material will come from. So mm -hmm. there's a little it's a little tricky to do in industrial metabolism like that, but we are trying to facilitate exchange of waste, keeping things out of a landfill and, and more into the reuse and recycle kind mm -hmm. of approach. Kind of like the uh, eBay of industrial uh, materials. Exactly. <laughs> industrial waste materials. Industrial right? waste exactly. materials. Yeah. So speaking of um, um, social media tools to, to assist with this, uh, Sustainable Silicon Valley runs a, 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 a social media platform called EcoCloud. Can That's you tell correct. us a little bit more about EcoCloud? We're very excited about the EcoCloud. The EcoCloud lets people who are involved in sustainability have a social network similar to Facebook where you have an identity and you can uh, share information with people about and, and ask questions, get answers, and provide answers to others. There is a whole section on information where we have um, white papers and other, other kinds of information posted on um, energy, water, materials, sustainability practices, and transportation, a bunch of other topics. And um, people can blog, and, and there also we have a facility for discussion groups, and very excited about the kinds of groups we're trying to get working groups together that, um, or the working groups that are working on a, a common project where they want to start going away from just straight email communication mm -hmm. to having, being able to post documents or videos or other materials and being able to comment on each other's 
uh, threads. And really be and creating an archive of resources exactly. instead of just a transient uh, transfer exactly. of resources. And to be able to have more of a group discussion online. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're inviting groups like that to start participating. And we have a couple that are going, which we're really excited about. And then we also have some tools. So if you're interested in calculating the return on investment for hooking up to the Purple Pipe, we have a, a tool that you can use to do that and help make the business case for your management about why you should be using the recycled water and what the costs are for hooking up to it. Because it's not, not free to hook up for it, but after maybe a first year of use, you end up getting an annuity of savings. So it, it works out to be a pretty good deal. We have case studies to also illustrate that. And it's called a Purple so. Pipe? The purple pipe is for recycled water. That's what they, they paint them, or they use purple colored pipes so that people know they're not potable. Got it. So we call it the purple the pipe. The purple pipe. Like so it. that's an example. So we've got social media, that analytical tools, and information, um, and um, just, you know, that's what the EcoCloud does. So, and we also publicize events and other kinds of things like that. Cool. My last question for you today, Mariana, is um, do you have any wisdom you'd like to share to other people doing um, new kinds of collaboration and other kinds of innovative things in the sustainability space? Well, first of all, the really exciting news is that there is a burgeoning of interest and activity. Many, many organizations are working to become sustainable. Sustainability uh, doesn't work <clears throat> with just institutions alone or even individuals alone making change. You have to have systemic change. Yeah. To, the transportation system has to change. The, <coughs> Excuse me, the utility and the energy system has to change. So there are many other, the water system, these are all things that individual institutions alone can't do. So the opportunities for collaboration are fantastic and people are really eager to, to share information and to work with one another to, to help each other succeed in this area because they, they can see that we're in it together, that to have a vibrant economy that has a lot of clean tech and that has healthy air and a high employment levels, um, is what comes out of this kind of collaboration. So there's very nice tangible results that improve the quality of life, improve the economy, improve business opportunities, and that people are just waiting to be invited. So my closing thought is that our main strategy is called transformation by celebration. So we try to have parties along the way. We try to have meetings that are really, that have some networking, that have opportunities for people to connect with each other, but also that are, are led by people who are in the process of making these changes and sharing what they're doing with each other so that peers are sharing information and then we bring in experts as well. But we try to have our, um, a bit of joy in the process because the challenges are very daunting, but the um, joy of working together is really what carries us through. I like the way you think, Mariana. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks to Mariana Grossman for talking with us today. Visit Sustainable Silicon Valley at www.sustainablesv.org. I am Sue Liebeck. This story was directed by myself and produced by myself, Alex Kawashima, Natalie Forsyth, and Christopher Gonzalez. Music courtesy of Triplexity with support from Plant Trust, Preservation of Land for Agricultural Needs. Sustainovation, business for the world we share. Silicon Valley Innovation Associates and Starnet, harnessing the power of partnership. This has been Innovating Smart, bringing you stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.